Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. We thanks, Lord, for your spirit. We give you thanks, O oh God, that you have called us and you loved us even when we were far, when we were enemies, when we were trespassers of your word, when we were liars and cheaters and we were walking in sin and in darkness and serving the king of darkness, Lord, and you transferred us over into your kingdom, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of truth, the kingdom, Father God, that you give us hope in a hopeless and desperate world, O oh God. We pray that your word would be a blessing to us this morning, Lord. And that you would prosper your word in our hearts. And that it would be embedded in our spirits as a seed that would give forth fruit. And a harvest that would glorify your name, Lord. We pray, Father God, that you in us would be the hope of glory. As you grow and mature. And as we celebrate this time, Lord. We declare it a time of victory. A time of going forward in what you have called us to do, Father God. And we pray, Father God, that we would meditate on your word day and night. So that everything we might do might prosper. And as we reflect this morning and consider your word, Lord, that it might encourage and strengthen us and bring us to the place you have for us, for we desire what the best, Lord. We desire what you have planned for us, Lord, in our lives, for our families, our finances, and our ministry call, Father God. We give you thanks and bless you in the name of the Lord. Amen and amen. It's always the concern of a leader to be able to direct and to lead effectively. And so... Uh, if, if God is going to use us as a leading church, we need to have the elements of leadership. You can't be a leader and not know how to lead. Um, and I want to tell you that even the name God gave us for this church called Spring of Life Fellowship. I mean, so many other names, so many other visions, so many other explanations. But as, I, as a God gave me this Spring of Life, and, and it had two, two meanings from in my heart as to why the Lord wanted us to call this place Spring of Life. And uh, they called us from Guatemala City, and they say, we want, last week, we want to have Spring of Life Fellowship in Guatemala. And it's twofold. One, transparency. If you're going to be a part of this place, you're going to be transparent. And you, you need to learn how to be transparent, and God will take you to the place to be transparent. The Bible says in in uh, 1 John chapter 1, that if we walk in the light as He is in the light, then we have fellowship. There has to be transparency. If two people want to really get united, you have to get naked. You have to be transparent. You have to let down the guard, take down the mask, remove the disguise. That's the only way we have true unity. And so God uh, had given me spring of life, one, for the transparency of that water that comes out of a spring, and two, that it would be a refreshing place. That after you take a couple sips of this place, you're like, ah, que rico. This tastes good. This is refreshing. I finally got to a real place where I, felt, I feel not burdened but refreshed. And so that was my understanding as to what God wanted to do in this place. Two things, transparency and refreshing. Refreshing for new Christians, for those that were coming in the world with hunger and thirst, and refreshing for old Christians like our brother Alfred who's been in the body of Christ for a long time. And Sixto Porra has been in the body of Christ a long time. And Guillermo Aguayo and, and Jimmy Cornejo, they've been seasoned Christians. Jack Keane used to travel the whole world with Ed Cole. And he comes to this place and he says, it's refreshing. 
That was the vision of Spring of Life as it started. But then I started looking in the, verse of, in, in the Bible, and I started seeing that there was specific verses in the Bible that talked about springs of life. In Proverbs 14, verse 27 was the first one. Proverbs 14, 27 says like this, The fear of the Lord is a spring of life, and it keeps you from falling into the trap of death. And that has been our testimony too, that the people who have come to this place, they've been led away from the traps of destruction, from the traps of the destruction and death that was awaiting them. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. Some translations will say a spring of life. Those of you that will be members of this church is because you learn the fear of God, because you walk in the fear of God, because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And this is what this place is full of. If you meet Spring of Life, you're going to meet people that fear God. I was telling somebody the other day that when I was dating my girlfriend, who later became my wife, I didn't have sexual intimacy with her for five years. Why? Because I feared God. I didn't want to, to have the consequences of my sin become a reality after God had warned me. So this place, Spring of Life, is a place where we fear the Lord. And another um, proverb that talks about the spring of life is Proverbs 13, 14. Chapter 13, verse 14. There's another verse that says that the teaching of the wise is a spring of life. If there's anything the spring of life represents is wise teaching. To be able to draw a line between that which makes you a wise person and that which makes you a fool. Can you say, I want to be wise? Yeah, you want to be wise. You don't want foolishness in your life because foolishness leads to destruction. And another character attribute of what Spring of Life stands for is wisdom. We don't want foolish. I used to walk in churches and hear people say, I'm wise. I have the wisdom of God. We have the mind of Christ. And I would say, then why are you so stupid? Why are you a complete idiot? If you have wisdom, you should show it by the way you live. By the way you build your marriages, the way you work, the way you manage your money, the way you serve the Lord. We need to be filled with wisdom. And the Bible says, he who lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. If you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives all freely wisdom in a great manner. And so it says this teaching of the wise is a spring of life. And what does wisdom do? It turns you away from the snares of death. Proverbs 13.20 says, if you are wise and hang out with wise men, you will become wiser. He who walks with a wise man will be wiser. And so many of us who have come to this place have been moving in wisdom and greater wisdom. But the companion of fools is what? Destroyed. The companion. If you like to hang out with bobos, with total dumb people, you will become destroyed. So God wants us to have a fellowship in wisdom, not to brag about how wise we are, but so that we might inherit the wisdom of the wise and not be a companion of the fools, which end up totally destroyed. Proverbs 10, verse 11, it says, The mouth of the righteous is a spring of life. The first thing we teach in this church is you got to start talking different you got to start talking different so you can think different and live differently. And I thank God for this place in regards to what we speak. And we're not, we're not putting things out of order, but the mouth of the righteous is a spring of life. And then finally, Proverbs 16, 22. We finish with this. 
Proverbs 16.22, it says that you might acquire not only wisdom but understanding. Because you could know it all here and not apply it in your life. I know I'm supposed to be faithful to my wife, but I don't. I know I'm supposed to go to church, but I don't. I know I'm supposed to tithe, but I don't. What good is wisdom if you don't apply it? And applied wisdom is called understanding. And it says understanding is a spring of life. In this house, we not only know things, we do them. We're not only filling ourselves with the wisdom of God, we're living the wisdom of God and you can see it in our lives. You can see it in our marriages. You can see it as we transform the nations. We're not just saying we're going to change the world. We are changing the world. And so this, this is what spring of life represents. Now I want to tell you that a right relationship with God will lead to blessings that lead to life. If you're rightly related to God, it will bring blessings on your life and that blessing will allow you to enjoy your life. Well, the same thing. If you're not receiving the instruction of the Lord, if you're not in right relationship with God, then it leads to another curse. It leads to, to the consequences of not listening to God, which is chaotic. It's a curse. It's a curse not to be able to listen to God. Example is our lives before we came to Jesus. Our lives were a mess, but we start listening to God, we start doing what God says, and we start living a blessing. If we're not listening to God, number one, number two, we don't do what God says, we're not going to end up in blessing, we'll end up in destruction. A right relationship is based, say with me, on instruction. The opposite of instruction, destruction. So we want to be instructed not destructed. We want to be built up in what God speaks to us. And it's always been man's failure to be able to walk within God's instruction. It started in the Garden of Eden with, with Adam and Eve that don't touch, don't eat of that tree. What did they do? They ate of the tree. And the consequences were destruction. They fell out of a relationship with God. Did they have instruction? Yes, they had. Were they able to keep instruction and follow instruction? No, they were not. So we have to deal with that in our lives. Personally, in our marriages as a couple, in our families as a group, and in our church in fulfilling God's vision. Because we like to play with instructions. We like to cut corners. We like to skip. We like to cheat. We like to be deceptive in our dealings. But today's message is called following world-changing instructions. Why? Here is the highlight up front before it takes place. If we're going to fulfill God's call, we would have had to listen to His instruction. Up till now, 13 years later, it's been a battle, but we're hanging on our hands, our feet, our teeth. And a friend of mine says, if my teeth fall out, I'll hang on with my gums. I'm going to be hanging on to God's instruction for my life so that I am assured to fulfill God's desire. If I don't listen to God, it's not going to happen. And so Adam and Eve fell. Later came their sons, Cain and Abel. They were instructed on how to sacrifice. Abel brought the great offering and God was pleased. And he received favor from the Lord. But his brother decided to bring something that wasn't accepted by God. Guys, I don't know if you just want to give God leftovers. If you just want to give God the ordinary, if you don't want to faithfully serve God, uh, this is not the place for you. 
This place is a place where we desire to honor God and to make sure we follow His instruction for our lives in every resort. In Leviticus 10, there were the sons of Aaron. Verses 1, it says, Now the sons of Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, they took their censers and put fire therein, and they offered a strange fire before the Lord. Strange fire? Why a strange fire? A profane fire. A fire that was not part of the instructions of God to be offered up. The Bible says that there came fire from heaven in verse 2. It says, Fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. They were doing what God didn't call them to do. And all of a sudden we see judgment come on their lives. We see the result of disobedience come on their life. We see the destruction of those that were instructed how to do things and decided to play with what they were doing. And I want to tell you, I don't want to play with what we're doing in this place. And that's why we haven't compromised for 13 years. We haven't moved. There have been multimillionaires that have come and said, hey, let's do this. Listen, we're not a circus and, and money is not going to lead us. What's going to lead us is being instructed by God as to what our call is. These men were destroyed. Saul later became king of Israel. And the Lord told him in 1 Samuel 15, 22, Come here, Saul. Does the Lord want your efforts or he wants your obedience? Does he want you just to try at anything or he wants you to do what he's told you to do? Because a lot of people want to offer a lot of things but not what God is desiring. They say, well, I go to church all the time. That's great. It's great that you go to church all the time. But when you come to church, are you doing what God has told you to do? Because if you're just going to church, you've done nothing. You're just warming up a seat. And we've invited many people in the last 13 years. Can we please have our seat back? Can you please go warm up another seat when you're not moving in God's call for your life? We want to encourage you to do for God what he has you. I mean, you're here instrumentally. You're like an eyeball. You're like an ear. You're like a pinky. You're, you're, you're a part of the body of Christ. Function. Walk in the instruction of the Lord for your life. Don't be like a, a lot of people say that, um, that, that you're just hanging on. You know? you're, just, you're just coming along, but you're not, you're not doing anything. Here God always tells His servants in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 2. Moses was faithful in the whole house of God. One of the, one of the uh, instructions, one of the things that you see in a life of a person that, that God honors, that God wants, is doing everything God has told you to do. Don't leave anything out. Make sure you're listening to God and you're doing what He tells you. And God told Moses to build an ark in the middle of the desert. He instructed him how he was to do things. Verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5. Listen what it says. And Moses indeed was faithful in all the house of God as a servant he did everything God told him to do these are the men of God these are the women of God that God could speak to in Exodus 25 verse 8 look what he says in Exodus 25 verse 8 Old Testament when he instructed Moses let them make me a sanctuary so that I could dwell there let them make me a house so that I could show up God says verse 9 and do it according to all that I show you. Build this tabernacle according to the patterns and you shall do it just like I told you. I'm concerned that Spring of Life 
we have a tremendous calling, we have a tremendous vision, but we need to be serious about our calling to change the world. We need to listen to God and walk in His direction. Look what it says in verse 40. Could you read with me? Another time, God says like this, Exodus 25, 40, it says, See to it that you make it according to the pattern which I shown you. Don't make, don't make spring of life something that I didn't show you. Don't make spring of life what you want it to be. Some people want it to be, you know, just something else. Some people just want it to be a, a nice place. Uh, one of the, one the early leaders in, in this movement, the first five years, says, why can't we just be happy having a nice church here? Why do we have to concern ourselves with Mexico and Nicaragua? Why do we have to go to Peru and to Ecuador? Um, excuse me, last time I checked, the world meant every nation. It didn't mean where you feel comfortable. One man says, I'm not going to give my tithes no more because they're building a mission in Nicaragua. Well, bye-bye. You're not part of this place if you don't understand that God has called us to change the world. And I know that the world seems a little bit out of control and big for you, but it's already happening. You will marry a world changer in this place and you will go to change the world. I can't help it. That's what we're raising in this place. We're not raising baby Christians. We're not raising comfortable Christians. The visions and dreams our children have in this place are of going to countries and changing entire nations. Amen. We're not worried about whether or not we have enough money because God owns all the money. And so when this man told me, what does spring, he was trying to tell me that I needed money. You know, he's like, what does spring of life need? I said, brother, we need real men. Hey, you don't need money? I don't need money. We had in this place for the last 13 years, people that says, well, I'm not giving you my money. Bye-bye. Well, if you don't do what I say, then I'm not tithing no more. Bye-bye. We don't need money. We need people to take God seriously. We need people that will have a personal relationship with God. People that will follow instructions. He says, make sure that you do this according to everything I've shown you. And that's what we've been trying to do. We don't want just to have a, a church in Miami. We don't want just to have a healthy church. We want to be faithful to God's instruction. Look what it says in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 5. These things that I'm showing you will serve as a pattern, a copy, a shadow of heavenly things. Our lives here on the earth are to show the nations what God wants to do with the church. God wants to do powerful things with his church. And Moses was divinely instructed. Listen, I didn't come up with this vision after a night of smoking pot or doing crack. I was in prayer seeking the Lord. And the Lord says, hey, this is what you're to do. You're to go through all the nations and raise up godly men and women. And that's what we've been doing. See that you make all things according to the pattern I show you. Keep with the instructions. Hey, pastor, don't you think that we could... Hey, pastor, don't you think that... Listen, I'm trying to stay with the course of God's instruction. I know that many people have good ideas. I'm trying to be faithful with God's idea. I'm trying to follow His lead in what He's doing in this place. A lot of people do not understand that. God had already instructed His people in the Word of God. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we see a devastating scenario. There is this... This piece that went in the tabernacle called the Ark of the Covenant. It was a furniture piece that went into the Holy of Holies. 
It's where God would show up and his presence would be seen. He says, I will come over that seat called the mercy seat. There I will talk to you and I will instruct you. And so for a long time during the lifespan of Saul, he did never go near to that seat. The first king of Israel was scared um, of the Lord, number one. And number two, he had his own plans. So that's when God says, you know something? I can't use you. Because every time I instruct you, you do something else. Every time I tell you what to do, you have a better idea than me. So I don't want your sacrifice. I don't want your hard work. Say with me, I want obedience. What does God want from you? Obedience. Yeah, Lord, but I have better ideas. Listen, follow God's ideas. Forget your ideas for a while. Follow God's uh, um, standard. Follow his way of doing things. Because I'm going to tell you something. If you can't learn how to follow instruction, you're not very useful in the kingdom of God. God has the big plans. You might have the big ideas, but God has a plan that he's going to come to pass. And there in 2 Samuel chapter 6, verse 3, David, the second king of Israel, he decided to go and get the, the, um, the Ark of the Covenant. We can start in reading in, in verse 1, I guess. Let's go back to verse 1. David gathered all the leaders of Israel, 30,000 leaders. David, the king, grabbed them all and says, come, guys. Verse 2, David arose and went with all the people, and they said, let's bring the Ark of God. Let's bring that thing that, that represents God upon the earth, the Ark of the Covenant, what he designed through Moses, who was faithful. And so they were going to bring it from Adim, uh, Abinadab's house, verse 3. And he says, so they set the Ark, say with me, on a new cart. That's their first mistake. Why? Because God already told them how to carry the ark. And the ark was supposed to be carried by the Levites, the priests, through rings on poles. It was four men. It was, it was the men carrying poles through rings. If, if the ark was a, a, a box like this, each corner had a ring. They would slide a pole through both sides, and they used to carry the ark without touching it. God had given them instructions, don't mess with the ark. I want to go to those instructions real quick before we keep on reading, because it's very important in Exodus. Um, we're going to read Exodus. Let me see if I find it real quick. I think it's Exodus 15. Numbers 4.15. Sorry about that. Numbers 4.15. He says, when Aaron and his son had finished covering the sanctuary and all its furniture, as the camp sets out, after all that the sons of Kohath shall come to carry them, but they shall not touch the holy things unless they die. God says that furniture better not be touched by anyone. Because if you touch the ark, you die. They had instructions. The instructions were that the poles that they would carry would be those poles that, that would carry um, the ark. Let me see if we find that. In chapter Exodus 25, 13. Exodus 25, 13. You shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold and put the poles through the rings on the ark sides by which to carry it. The poles shall remain in the rings of the ark, and they shall not be removed from it, that the ark may not be touched. The whole idea with the poles is don't touch what God is doing. Don't touch what is in the presence of God. So going back to 2 Samuel 6, now we're in verse 3, where it says that they, they were 
set the ark upon a new cart. They have a new style to do church. People walk into church and say, Pastor, I got a great idea. Listen, zip it. Because we're not listening to great ideas. We're listening to God. We're trying to figure out what God wants us to do. We have a lot of great ideas. We have a lot of great things that we know we could do with being together, but we want to do what God wants us to do. And he says, they sat the ark on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on a hill. And the two sons of this man, Abinadab, one name of the son was Yuza, and the other one, Ahio. Ahio, the two sons of Abinadab, they drove the new ark. This ark on a new cart was being pulled by oxen. You know what's, what's taking this move of God? It's servants of God. The Bible in the New Testament says that the servants of God are called oxen. Why? They're serving. And it says as, as they were pulling this ark out of that place in verse 5, and David was there singing and dancing. They were having revival. They were singing songs. They played with with before the Lord all these songs, verse 6, and they came to Nacon's threshing floor. This was a territory where um, the guy was, was there, uh, and Yuza said that he put his hand on the ark and took a hold of it. He touched the ark because the oxen had stumbled. I don't know what that represents, but I, I think that, that he saw this thing was, was beginning to, to move a little bit, and he wanted to make sure it wasn't going to fall, and he put his hand on it. He took a hold of the ark because the ox stumbled. And a lot of times in church, the ox stumble. They, they have things they're not sure of. And, and they're trying to do the best they can with what they got. But don't touch what God is doing. Because those who have touched what God is doing are no longer here. Somehow the devil has, has worked it in their heart to say, Look, I, I just wanted to make the cart more steady. Listen, God makes the ark steady. Don't, don't worry about the ox stumbling. This is a prophetic word for what's going to happen in years to come. Fear God. Understand that, that listening to his instruction is vital. I'm concerned because the name Yuza means strong. And a lot of times when we think we're strong enough, now we're, we're going to give our opinion. Now we're going we're gonna to sit there and, and deal with these things. These things are holy things, man. These things are precious. I'm terrified. I've said it a thousand times. I'm terrified with the responsibility we have to represent who God is in our lives and in the lives of this world. God is not going to allow us to play around with these games. You better not call yourself a Christian and have a bad testimony. You better not call yourself, take the name of Christ, and walk with the non-godly because God will severely judge you. And a lot of people don't believe in God's judgment. They only believe in God's grace. But if you read this, it should strike some fear of God in you. Spring of life is a place where you're going to learn the fear of God. And it says as, as the ark was moving in a new cart, he took hold of it because the ox were stumbling. Verse 7. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Yuza, and God struck him there for his error, and he died right next to the ark. That ark was supposed to produce life, blessing, healing, protection. But the man was, was, became too familiar. You know why? Because the ark was in his house for 20 years. He was the son of Abinadab. 
Abinadab had raised his sons to know that that was the ark of God. They're not to touch it. But this man became so strong. His name means, Uzzah means strong. I'm strong. I can mess with this. And messing with this was his judgment. Messing with the instruction of the, breaking the instruction of the Lord, consequented destruction for his life. What happens? David, in verse 8, begins, he gets so sad. David says, we're only trying to help, man. We're only trying to bring God to the people. We're trying to move in the direction God wants us. But God says, hey, there's nothing about what you're doing that doesn't require high, high. This is a holy place, people. This is a holy place where God is conducting business that has eternity as a consequence. Every word you speak, everything you do is instrumental to either killing what God wants to do or making it live. Fulfilling his purpose. In 1 Chronicles 13, if you want to later on, you could study and you could see it more in depth, the story of how David consulted the captains. 1 Chronicles 13.1 He listened to the leaders of thousands and hundreds. And David said to the assembly, If it seems good to you, if it is of the Lord our God, let us go and bring the ark. Let's bring the priest. Let's bring those people in. Verse 3. Let us bring again the ark of our God to us. For we did not seek it during the days of Saul. There was a time, listen to me, that people did not take God serious. They wouldn't even consult God. And so David calls these. We're reading 1 Chronicles 13.3. Let us bring the ark of God. Verse 4. All the assembly agreed and they, for the things seem right in the eyes of all of them. And so when they get together to bring the ark, in verse 7, it says they carried the ark of God on a new cart. Let's do it a new way. Let's do it a different way. We, we're done with the old way of doing things. Let's do it a new way. I've been scared of doing that. I don't want to have a modern church. I want to have a real genuine church. I don't want to attract the people in the world because they feel good in a nightclub type of deal. They, they, this is not a show. This is not a performance. This is not what church is about. They carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house and drove the cart. And David and all of Israel were celebrating. Listen, we're celebrating our 13th anniversary, but it be, you become too familiar. If you say, I've been here for 13 years, now I'm going to let loose a little bit. You better not. You better rein it in in the fear of God. You better, you better whatever you do, you better make sure God wants you to do it because you won't be here. And I've seen too many people stand right next to me and says, Pastor, I'm going to be your right-hand man. Shoulder to shoulder. We're going to change the world. Guess what? They started fooling around, and God just removed them. They started getting familiar. They wanted to put their hands on the ark. They wanted to change what God had instructed us to do. And they're no longer here. And when they came to the threshing floor of Kidon or Nakon in another translation, that talks about a place where everything is ready to blast off. That word, Nakan or Kedon, the next verse, verse 8, verse 9. When they came to this threshing floor, that, that word, Chidon or Nachon, like it says it in, in 2 Samuel, it says when everything was ready, right at the time where everything was ready, is when those the ark started stumbling, started moving because the ox were stumbling. And it says there that Yuza, 
put his hand out to steady the ark. This is how I'm going to make this thing better. This is how I'm going to fix things. Because I've been here, everything's prepared. I'm old, I'm strong. Now I'm going to touch this thing. In verse 10, it says, The anger of the Lord was kindled against you, and he smote him because he touched the ark. And there he died before God. You know something? It's, it's a travesty that these things have to happen. But it, it's, a, it's a witness in my heart that this, you know, when, when the work started here, one of the questions I asked the Lord when he says, Get up and go, it's time. I said, Lord, I don't have men to help me. And I was meaning I didn't have wealthy men that would support this place. I was like, Lord, how is this going to happen? Such a big vision without financial support. I don't know any men. And then I started laughing because that's what Mary said before she had Jesus. She says, how am I going to be pregnant if I haven't known a man? I started laughing. I said, I never thought I would have something in common with Mary. I said, I have no men that will help me carry this past. And he says, I'm going to help you. I'm going to be your support. I'm going to one. And let me tell you something. It's been God. This is a miracle. Every time you walk in this place, know it's a miracle. We've had faithful people. We haven't had multimillionaires support us in what we're doing in the world. You would need a multimillionaire to touch the nations we've touched, to bless the people we've blessed. And you know how we've been able to do it? Because God is faithful. Because God is behind this place. And one of the things that I'm blessed about the life of David, he was a man that he says, okay, I got hurt. I lost one of my precious men, one of my strong men. How do I make this better? You know what he had to do? In chapter 15, 1 Chronicles 15, he had to come. He had to come and he had to ask. He had to say, Lord, I want you to teach me what I'm supposed to do because obviously I'm not doing it right. 1 Chronicles 15, 2, it says, Then David says, No one may carry the ark of God but the priest. Don't try and do the work of God unless you're appointed to do what God has appointed to do you. And do only that which you've been appointed to do. Because if you start messing around, God's, God doesn't go for that. David said, No one may carry this ark but the Levites. They're appointed. They're ordained. For the Lord has chosen them. God has chosen people for specific work in the Lord. We need to respect that. And you know who God has chosen? The weak. We're like, oh, how is he doing that? Because he's weak. Because God chose the weak things. I'm the weakest of all. I'm the most fragile of all in regards to spiritual things. It's only the grace of God that sustains me. It's only the grace of God. So he says, let them only minister to him forever. In verse 3, he says like this. And David gathered all of Israel to bring up the ark to its place. And David assembled. Now he's doing it right. He's picking the men God has chosen. The head of, he says in verse 12, he said to them, You are the head of the house. You fathers are the house of the Levites. Sanctify yourself. Prepare yourself for the work that God has for you. Verse 13, for because you did not do it the first time, because we didn't do it with the men God had chosen, we tried to do it in a new way, a better way, a more stable way. The Lord broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order of things. And, and this verse, this me message this morning is that we all would be concerned of hearing from God. Let's do it God's way. Let's be attentive to God's voice. Let's try to follow God's lead. He is the one that owns all of this. Some lady said some years ago, she says, Joaquin, you do whatever you want with the church, 
So you do whatever you want. I said, lady, you don't know what the church is and what it represents to Jesus Christ. Jesus will not let anybody mess with his church. It's a fearful thing to stand before a living God. You better not play with the things of God. I told my sons, you could play basketball, you could play volleyball, you could play everything. Don't play with God. Don't play with God. Play Nintendo, play whatever you want, but don't play with God. Don't use God in your jokes. Don't use the people in church as a butt of your jokes. God is a jealous God. You want to try that and mess with one of his people. Mess with one of his precious. Last night we went with our brother Alfredo and, and Orlando and a couple and Richard. We went to a store where I had met a young woman 15 years ago. She came into my law office for a divorce. And I talked to her about the Lord and I talked to her husband about the Lord. He was 34, nice bodybuilder, strong man. And I said, you know, Jesus wants you guys to love each other and stay together. And he said, I don't think I'm going to be doing that because I found myself a girlfriend. I'm living with her. And I saw his wife begin to cry. She's a young girl. And I came and I told her, God's not going to allow him to mess with you. God's not going to put up with it. Six months later, the guy dies. Guy dies. Strong man. And they were witnesses. Last night they met her, Melanie Castillo. She was a client of mine way back when. God does not allow us to mess around with him. God's not going to play games like that. It's amazing. Even the woman he left with also died in the judgment of God. It's a fearful thing to be before the Lord. David learned how to do it right. He says, let's do it the way it's supposed to be done. In verse 3, he says like that, uh, verse 13, because you did not do it the first time, the Lord broke out against us. For we did not consult him how we're to do things in the proper order. In verse 14, he says, the priests, the Levites, those that are sanctified to bring the presence of God, the ark, the children, verse um, 15, the children of the Levites born, bore the ark on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. See how, what, the, what the level is? We're doing the work of God, but as God has instructed us. We're not flipping, doing our own things. There are a lot of better ideas. There's marketing scams. There's all types of gimmicks. There's all types of, of things we could do. We want to listen to God. In your marriage, listen to God. In your families, listen to God. In your finances, listen to God. In your morality and in your judgment and in your wisdom, listen to God. Don't fall. It says in Romans chapter 11, verse 20, that the people of Israel, the Jewish people, lost their relationship with God because they weren't listening to Him. Because of their unbelief, they were broken off. Do you guys think that if, this is what that verse says, if the Jewish people lost their relationship with God without, for not listening to Him, how much more us? We call ourselves Christians. But if we don't listen to God, you get disconnected. Verse 21, for if God did not spare the natural branches, the real branches, you were grafted in. You're a Christian because God had mercy on you. But if he didn't spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Verse 22, and this is, this is the verse tonight, today. Therefore, consider the goodness of God and the severity of God. Guys, if we follow God's instruction, we're going to see the glory of God in every area of our life and in this vision of the church to change the world. If we don't, we won't see the goodness of God. We'll see the severity of God. We'll see the judgment of God. We'll see that we won't be able to bring to pass what God has planned for us. Let's stand this morning.
A lot of people will say, he's in the Old Testament. It doesn't apply no more because Jesus came and there's grace. I want you to read with me Acts chapter 5. Ananias and Sapphira come in and they want to play with God. A certain man named Ananias and Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession. Verse 2. He kept part of the proceeds. He says, I'm going to play with what belongs to God. I'm going to, I'm going to play around with the, 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 the instructions of the Lord. I'm going to consider this my time to do what I want. And he kept part of the proceeds. His wife, also being aware, brought certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. Verse 3. And Peter says, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and keep part of the price of the land? This is New Testament stuff. People that learn how to wheel and deal with God. They learn how to be familiar with God. They say, ah, this is the way I'm going to do it. This is the way I'm going to cut a corner. This is the way I'm going to cheat. This is the way I'm going to do things light. Why did Satan fill your heart to not follow what God has said? Verse 4, while it remained yours, was it not your own? But after it was sold, you know, our lives were ours until Jesus purchased our lives. Who do they belong to now? Jesus. Us to God. He's already paid the price. You can't do with your life what you want anymore. Before it was purchased, before it was sold, it was yours. But now that it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God. And after hearing these words, he fell and he breathed his last. So great fear came upon all the people. And the young men wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened to her husband. And Peter answered and says, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed to test the spirit of the Lord? Guys, do you want to challenge this message today? You want to say that God is really not in tune? I had a man tell me that. He says, oh, God really doesn't care. I said, you don't know God. You do not know God. Why did you find it in your heart to tempt the Lord? How is it that you've agreed? Look at the feet of those who buried your husband at the door. They will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And a young man carried her out, found her, carried her out, and buried her by her husband. Listen, um, this is not a message so that you could fear losing your physical life. This is a message that you fear losing your spiritual walk with the Lord. That's the message. Let's take God serious, man. I, people say, Joaquin, why are you so intense? Because I don't want to lose what I have. I do not want to lose what I have in knowing God. I don't play with God. I don't make things up. I don't throw things to the side. I want to know what God wants. And I want to not only know what God wants, I want to do what He wants. Let's bow our heads. For those of you that have come for the first time, if you've ever heard another gospel that God is love and God is good and that you can do whatever you want and you're going to heaven, somebody lied to you. Jesus gave us the example of how we're to live and he obeyed the Father in everything. He says, I only do what the Father tells me. Me and the Father are one. I walk like the Father wants me to walk. I go where the Father wants me to go. I do what the Father wants me to do. And Jesus will come back again. And you know when he's coming back? When the Father tells him. You don't graduate becoming old in the things of the Lord to say, now I do whatever I want. No, the older you are in the Lord, the less you do what you want. 
That's what Jesus told Peter. In John 21, he says, Peter, there was a time where you did whatever you wanted. You went, you came, you went. But as you get older, somebody else will lead you by the hand. And that somebody else is named Jesus Christ. He will lead us where we're to go. I take these things severely serious. There have been people in the past who have died physically in this church. Like this young man I told you about. And their disobedience and their lack of the fear of God, they've passed on physically. But more have passed on spiritually. And that's, that, I think that that's worse. I think that's super sad. That people that God had chosen to change the world are no longer here. Because they did not know how to follow the fear of God in obeying the instruction of the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you this day. Lord, as we celebrate our 13th anniversary, this is our celebration of what you have done, Lord. This is our celebration of your promises that are yes and amen. The first thing the Lord told me when we started the church was he would bring faithful men. He says, entrust these things to faithful men, and that's what I've done. And that's why the church is still here, because there's always been faithful men. Father, we give you thanks for the faithfulness of men and women in this house that will do things according to your pattern, to your instruction, to your design, Lord, so that the world might see a different place, that the world might see a different character, that the world might know that you're serious about your kingdom and that you paid the price of the blood of your son. I pray your blessing upon every family here, Lord. I pray that they would press in to the things of God in their thoughts, in their words, in their actions, that they would mature in the things of God, that they would learn how to hear your voice and follow your instruction. And not put their hands to the ark, Lord, to make it steady. For you are an omnipotent God and you know all things and you fix all things. And you're able to sustain all things, Lord. And, pray, and humbly pray that you would have mercy upon us as we endeavor to steward the things of God. That's what Paul says, we are stewards of the mystery of God. We're those entrusted with eternal matters. Lord, allow this church to continue. Like Brother Jack says, another 13 years to see your glory. Raising up men and women that will follow and have a servant's heart to obey you, Lord, so that we can see your glory. And that your mercy would cover us all, Lord. That you would have mercy on us, Lord, as we continue to pursue the things you have for us, Lord. And not allow the devil nor any weapon formed against us to prosper, Lord. That the blood of Jesus would be upon us, Lord, and that you would keep us in our way. We give you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God say, amen, amen. amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord.